You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. It's like I can put weight on it now and and, and kind of walk, mm-hmm. but I still have to like shuffle everywhere I go. If I don't have the walking boot on, I have to like shuffle everywhere I go. Oh, that sucks. So tonight, for the first time ever, I'm coming to you from the bedroom because this is kind of where I've like set up my base camp. <laughs> it's like I literally walk into the house from my garage. My bedroom is two steps in front of the door that goes into the garage. My kitchen is just to the right, and I have a bathroom. Perfect. I, like, don't go into the living. I haven't been, like, to the front of my house in, like, a week. (laughs) I'm sorry. I will go to my back door to let the dogs out. That's it. And that's, like, an extra 10 steps. So, this sucks, man. I mean, I feel like, like, everything other than that, I feel amazing. I mean, I've lost, like, 130 pounds. I mean, since you see me, you know, next time you see me, you'll be like, Jesus Christ, dude, you need a sandwich. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, I've lost like all this weight. My knees feel great. My back feels great. My shoulders feel great. My neck feels great. All this shit that always hurt in the past. Like, I don't snore nearly as bad as I used to. All these great things. And then I've got a fucked up right and left ankle because I exercised. Oh, what has exercising done for anyone? Damn it! I mean, Fat Ronaldo was still good after he was fat. Why couldn't I just be him? It's true. Oh, one day. God, I tell you, poor Cristiano. He must be in constant pain to look that good. Uh we'll talk. We'll talk about Cristiano on today's edition oh, of the Four Fair Podcast. Oh God. Ah. Uh, Good times, good times. Welcome to the Foreign Affair Podcast, episode 216. I am Edward Green, rejoined as always by McCullough Crime. And that means we're 100 episodes away from 316. Stone Cold said so. I will be drunk for that episode. Excellent. Right I, I, 100 episodes, uh, two years beforehand, I will be drunk for that episode. Very excited. <laughs> um, we obviously have a lot of should be right in the middle of the Euros. <laughs> there you go. Hey, maybe maybe you'll be celebrating. Um, oh, hell yeah. We've got a lot to talk about from the World Cup. Uh, we'll hit a few transfer news and notes. Not much big happening unless you're an Arsenal fan, I guess. Uh, sure. Uh, we'll hit the Watch 4, uh, So Raw, and uh, and wrap it up. As always, podcast presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop, and certainly the soccer does not stop. Uh, we're just going to start going group by mother effing group here in the World Cup. Real quick, my man. Also tonight, we are live watching a College World Series elimination game. Oregon State and, well, I I was going to say your North Carolina Tarheels. You actually hate Carolina baseball, so that works well. Um, They are playing in Omaha. It is 3-3 in the bottom of the fifth with the Tarheels hitting a man on no outs. 
So, folks, we'll keep you updated. Oh, and we and crazy shit happens when we have live baseball games on. So. You're not kidding. Crazy shit always seems to happen when we do live baseball. This will be great. Um, crazy shit happened in the World Cup, too. And let's get to that. Damn, uh, damn right. Uh, group A, um, Russia, as we all knew, is now the best team in the World Cup. Uh, with two big wins on the slate, uh, they pound Saudi Arabia and they're an opener. 5-0. Um, Saudi Arabia looks really, really, really bad. Can't wait till they expand to 48 teams, guys. Um, so they, they have a... Uh, they got out to a hard start. And then Uruguay versus Egypt. Uh, Egypt tried to get by without playing uh, their talisman, Mohamed Salah. Uh, but unfortunately, Jose Mario Jimenez... Uh, scored a very very late goal for uruguay um with uh to get uruguay all three points and that was huge to get them started um again this is a team that uh believe we picked to actually make the semifinals of this Mm -hmm. tournament so a big win for uruguay uh when maybe they weren't at their best and then they had to kind of kind of lame it out today as well against saudi arabia one nil the victory uh luis suarez taking a cross uh, on a corner uh, into the box, just left completely unmarked near the uh, the far post and tapped it right in to give Uruguay the 1-0 win. Again, Uruguay just needs to get a little bit more into form, um, but they do have six points, as does Russia. 3-1 win against Egypt. Uh, they beat uh, Mosala's team. Salah does score on a, on a 73rd-minute penalty, but the game was already 3-0 by then. Um <laughs> Russia just just really starting to pound people. Again, this is one of the weakest groups in World Cup history, but Russia is currently eight goals to the good and one goal to the bad. So how right- about those FIFA World Rankings? So good. So told good. you, folks, you cannot trust FIFA World Rankings. Apparently not. Apparently Russia not. got that. Russia's got. Russia has totally. Taking that big boost from being at home, they've been fantastic. They really have, and uh, it, it's been quite loud. Even though we'll say Egypt brought it in the Russia-Egypt game, that crowd was very good from them as well. But Russia has been very strong. But what that means mm-hmm. for the group West is that Russia and Uruguay both sit on six points. Egypt and Saudi Arabia both sit on zero, which means the group is over for who's advancing. However, right. on June twenty-fifth, Uruguay and Russia meet up. The winner of the match goes through as group winner and will probably avoid Spain. We don't know yet. We'll see. Um, but uh, they will go through as the group winner. Um, Russia, because of their amazing goal differential so far, thanks to beating Saudi Arabia so badly, um, if it, the Russia and Uruguay draw, Russia mm-hmm. will go through as the group winner on goal differential. Mm-hmm. So Uruguay must win to finish top of the group. And Wes, that, while that was our prediction, as you said, Russia has benefited from being at home in front of these 65, 75,000 plus crowds. No, they certainly have. And, you know, we talked about it. The only, I think we may have overlooked it a little bit, the only host nation ever to not advance out of the group stage was South Africa, Mm -hmm. which I think is noticeably the weakest host nation of all time Mm -hmm. until 2022 when we go to Qatar. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this, this shouldn't come as that big of a surprise. Now that said, the Russians came in, they weren't playing particularly good football. Um, as we 
mentioned and mocked a little bit earlier, the, the FIFA World Rankings, they were the lowest team in the FIFA World Rankings, even though this is a FIFA World Rankings that had England at like third three years ago <laughs> under Roy Hodgson. So, you know, it's nice when you're beating the Maldives, you know, convincingly. Um, I don't even know if that's a country, but anyway. Um, it might be a salad as well, as far as I know. But the Russians have come out. They were ready. And, you know, they've, they've got some guys who are not bad. I believe it's Gullivan. Yes. Who scored the first goal, I believe, of the tournament. <clears throat> um, he's a Juventus target right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Denis Cherishev, who now has three goals through two matches, has him second in the Golden Boot race. Uh, I mean, he he doesn't play very often, but he he plays for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they've got a couple of guys who can do some things. Um, they've got a lot of players who have played in the Champions League, obviously, with uh, CSK Moscow, Zenit, you know, clubs like that. These are guys who have some experience on this big stage, or I think – they were really underestimated when you look at the likes of Saudi Arabia. Who the hell does Saudi Arabia have? Nobody. Who plays for anyone? We do. Uh, yeah. I mean, Egypt, yes, Egypt has Mo Salah, but it's a Mo Salah coming off a, a very devastating injury mm-hmm. that's kept him from being anywhere near 100%. Yeah, they've got Mohamed El Nini, who uh, has cut his teeth under Arsene Wenger, if that tells you anything about his level. Uh, I mean, yeah, they have a couple other guys who've been in the Premier League and play in some places. But, I mean, this isn't an overly dominantly talented, um, you know, Egypt squad. Mm -hmm. So, while Russia has looked really good, I mean, 8-1 over two matches, no one else has come close to that. Um, They have also done it against definitely maybe the weakest, actually the weakest team in the tournament, which is Saudi Arabia. Yes, Yes, they are back. And an Egypt team that is, while not a great team to start with, they're a team that were also missing their best player. Uh, and, and even when they got him back, he wasn't 100%. As North Carolina takes a 4-3 to three lead. <sighs> and Heimlich looks like he's choking out on the mound again. <laughs> um, but I think we're, we're really going to find something out about this Russian team on the 25th. Mm-hmm. Because Uruguay is going to be the first quality squad that they faced. And Uruguay is a team that even though they don't seem to have gotten off to a hot start, remember, yes, everyone talks about Suarez and Cavani. This is a team that is built on their defense. Mm-hmm. And they have not disappointed there one bit. No, not at all. So uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to really see something in that next match, in match day three, uh, to see who advances as the winner out of Group A. But I'm I'm actually, you know, I'm kind of excited to get a chance to watch that because, man, I'm excited to see this Russian team and just see, are they, when I say are they for real, I'm not talking about their Brazil or Germany here, mm-hmm. but, you know, are, are they for real? Will they give somebody an issue in the round of 16? Absolutely. And, and depending on who comes out of Group B, um, mm-hmm. that, that's still very much up in the air. Uh, it, they could have a chance. You never know with this Russia team. So uh, I I agree with you. I think that when we see them play Uruguay uh, on June 25th, that is is going to tell us a lot about how actually good this Russia team is. They do have some talent. They are better than I think I I thought they were, and I think a lot of people thought they were. Now will it get them to the round of eight, the round of the semifinals? That's still to be seen. But if they can 
they can beat Uruguay, that would be a tremendous boost of confidence for this club. Absolutely. And I think that Absolutely. at that point, you'd have to start really taking them seriously as a threat to start going deep in this tournament, especially once again with that home crowd behind them. Um, and of course, at that point, they're the they're kind of <laughs> as much as the Russians can ever be. They might be the darlings of the tournament at that point. True. We, we separate our <laughs> geopolitical discussions. Um, Jesus God. So now we go. <laughs> no one's ever called the Russians the sweethearts of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Separating geopolitical discussions as we begin talking about Iran and Group B. Um, oh Jesus God. I will. I will say this. Uh, so after after everybody had played their first round of matches. Bleacher Report sent out a notification, I, you may have gotten this, um, where they said we re-rank uh, or adjust rankings of the 32 teams in the World Cup based off of their first round of matches. Mm-hmm. And I, I clicked on it and I saw Spain was number one and Portugal was number two. And I was like, wait, really? Sp- Spain made countless errors against Portugal in their first match. And Portugal, their hallmark in their Euros was defending and they obviously didn't do that against Spain. So how are you saying these are the two best teams in the tournament? Obviously the best team is. And then my brain just kind of trailed off and never came up with an answer. And I think Russia. <laughs> maybe. Um, I, but I think that's indicative of how, at least through the first set of matches and partway through the second, um, this is all gone is nobody's really jumped out yet as being and, and really taking the tournament by the scruff of the neck, except maybe Russia. Um, so, but we have two. And, 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 and in a personal note, maybe Ronaldo. <laughs> yes, true. Um, he is, he's the only one who has scored for Portugal in their first two matches. Um, the first of which came against Spain, as I mentioned last time in the pod, one of the highlights of the first round of matches, mm-hmm. um, Portugal, Spain did not disappoint. Three, three was the result. Right. Uh, Ronaldo had a, maybe the most bizarre hat trick he's ever had in his life. Uh, a fourth minute penalty, maybe a little soft. Um, in the 44th minute, uh, he, he made uh, David De Gea feel like Lars Karius. And then in the, and then in the 88th, he, he didn't get to do it in the Champions League final, so obviously he had to do it here because um, that's what Ronaldo does. He sees something and he wants to do it himself. Um, and then in the 88th minute, he he drew Portugal level with a free kick that De Gea didn't really do a good job of setting up against. And also PK did a very poor job of giving away the free kick. But anyway. But, uh, but also Ronaldo... No, I'll talk, we'll talk more about Ronaldo in a minute. Give it. That's fine. But also, Diego Costa was in the match. Diego Costa hit a brace, um, and then Nacho actually put Spain up 3-2 just about an hour in. Um, it looked like Spain was going to get the win until that last Ronaldo free kick. Um, so they in 3-3, and then Iran versus Morocco went down to the death as Aziz Bouhadouz, uh with the 95th-minute own goal, uh, put his team down 1-0 and gave Iran all three points and that is a big three points because they still do have a chance as Mm -hmm. for uh the second round of matches they did lose to spain diego costa again on the score sheet in the 54th minute gives spain a one nil winner and a somewhat drab affair and speaking of drab affairs uh portugal and morocco is more the same ronaldo did score again in the fourth minute also may have kind of sort of dove and kind of got away with it um so, so neither team, while they played an exciting game against each other, 
neither team has been super convincing out of the gate either. So right now, to overlay the group, Spain and Portugal both on four points. Iran is at three. Morocco is at zero. They are eliminated. Iran yeah. now plays Portugal on June 25th. If they win, Iran will go through to the knockout stage. If they do not win, they are out. Um, mm-hmm. Spain, they play Morocco. They should win, and that would secure their passage through. Um, but, Wes, this is Spain and Portugal at the top of the group, just like we thought, but maybe not as confidently as we thought they would be. No, um, Spain, I'm going to tell you, man, From I didn't get a chance to watch the Spain because I was working, mm-hmm. saving lives, being awesome. Um <clears throat> From everything I heard, Spain were somewhat fortunate to come away with that goal that they got. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, they completely dominated possession. Um, I believe it, at halftime, <clears throat> Iran had completed, had only completed maybe 44 total passes in the entire first half. But yeah, only completing 40 passes in the fir- 44 passes in the first half was the lowest number of passes completed in a half uh, of this World Cup, and also the second lowest all-time of a half, which the lowest actually belongs to another Iranian team, coincidentally. Um, in this one, Iran did not manage a shot on target. Um, I mean, Spain dominated the possession. The possession was crazy. Spain had 78% possession. Um, I mean, they, they completely dominated the match. But their goal comes off a, a deflection that comes off Diego Costa. Mm-hmm. So for Spain, you know, I give Iran credit. They came out and they did what they wanted to do, which they knew they were going to soak up pressure. Um, and, and their whole goal was just to try to get a counter or get a set piece and try to make something go in, kind of like they did against Morocco. But I think there's there's definitely got to be some red flags coming up from Spain. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, in the first match against Portugal, they scored three goals, but they were in that one they were uncharacteristically poor defensively, and especially in the goalkeeper position. Yeah. And in this match, yeah, you could say yeah they were good defensively, but that's just because for Spain the best defense is not to let the other team catch the ball. <laughs> so you know, it's not like De Gea was able to redeem himself today. Yeah, he got a clean sheet. He also didn't face a shot on goal. <laughs> so. You know, for Spain, I think they shouldn't have a problem going through. But, you know, is the the firing of Lopetegui, is that coming back maybe to mess with this team some? Are we seeing some of those cracks? And will it ultimately derail what could have been a fantastic run for the stage? Certainly. It, it It is very odd, especially as we mentioned last week, the timing of that just coming just days before this the Portugal Spain match and and you know I do think that that has something to do with it they they just look unsettled really in their first two matches and again as you said they're probably going to go through they have Morocco in the third match they should be able to beat them um if they go through and they win by more goals than Portugal does they'll go through as group winners and they'll probably and they'll get the loser of Russia Uruguay so if they get Russia Uruguay well, now all of a sudden, one Uruguay very tough defensively and does have scores. On the other hand, you have Russia, who has proven to to actually be a threat in this tournament. 
They could uh, just be the hot team. Yeah. So, and either way, all of a sudden, a, a what looked like a somewhat easy road, at least to the semifinals, maybe for Spain, now looks a bit more uncertain. Um, and I think somewhat the same for Portugal. Granted, we didn't have maybe as high as hopes as we did for them, as we did for Spain, but these are also the defending Euro 2016 champions. They And they haven't looked, literally apart from Ronaldo, they have not looked very good at all. So this is... I mean, well, Ronaldo and maybe uh, yeah, Rui Patricio against yeah. Morocco. He was fantastic. But, but the, the rest of the supporting cast that was so resolute in, in their March to the Euro 2016 final, uh-huh. it, it's just they're coming up so short. And we did talk a little bit about the age of some of these guys and and how they are a, a very a very veteran team we'll say um, but but still you know this 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 is worrying I think for both Portugal and Spain yes they're both likely to go through but I don't think either team should be exactly brimming with confidence uh, when they when they make it to the round of 16 and you know just to touch on Portugal for a bit, there are external things going on around this Portugal squad right now. You've got, I believe it's four players in this team. Uh, Patricio, Carvalho, um, Merton, no, not Mertens. Um, uh, God, I can't remember. He's, he's a winger for him. I don't think he's played that much. And Bruno Fernandes are all four members of that sporting team. Mm-hmm. And I believe all four of them have filed to be released from their contracts due to all the issues going around sporting. We talked, we touched on that a few mm-hmm. months ago when it was really blowing up. Mm-hmm. So you know they've got that going on as well. Um, but man, I, I've got to praise the guy who we do not personally like on this show. I mean, what can you say about Cristiano Ronaldo right now? He's dragging he's, their corpse over the finish line. And the scary thing is, he's not the Ronaldo of. Well, really, of even the Euros two years ago, or much less the World Cup of a few years ago, where he was the dynamic playmaking, you know, guy who would take you on on the wing and just, you know, destroy your life and leave you on YouTube somewhere. He's not that guy anymore. Cristiano Ronaldo, in front of our eyes, has morphed into a fox in the box center forward mm-hmm. who for whatever, however you want to put it, or however you want to say about him, Cristiano Ronaldo just knows how to hell to put the ball in the back of the goal. Mm-hmm. And I think that we could be seeing with Portugal this summer, I don't think it would be the worst idea ever for Lopetegui uh, going into Real Madrid if, you know, if they want to move Kareem Benzema you don't have to go get a Harry Kane because you might have the most prolific center forward in the world right there on your roster. Mm-hmm. And it might be Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, all we've seen from him in this tournament is Ronaldo in the box and putting people under massive pressure and scoring goals. Yeah, and just real quick to finish that off, um, you know, last time at the last World Cup in, in Brazil, he was coming off an injury and, and he yeah. was in also that... Portugal were in the group of death with the United States, Germany, and Ghana, and he did not look like himself at all. Um, right. And still managed in the their second game against the United States to get the assist at the last minute to uh-huh. to pull them level at two two. Um, didn't it did not get them through? But um, 
again, again, this is this is a Ronaldo who was definitely not healthy at the last World Cup. So this is a chance for him a little more healthy, maybe not as prolific in in being four years older, but but in right. a different sort of way, just like you were saying, uh, making his mark on this tournament so far. As you said, and he's leading his evolution yeah. has been just crazy. And you saw it on that free kick. That wasn't a normal Ronaldo free kick. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he even took, he's even, you know, changing up the way that he's doing free kicks and things. I just, I, I think Ronaldo is evolving into, God, I hate to say it I really don't like him. I think he's such a smart player. <laughs> I mean, his footballing, his footballing intelligence, I think, is maybe next to none. He just, he knows where to be. He knows how to get there. He knows how to drag people around. Oh, my God, he's fantastic. I hate to say it. Jesus, God, that bone structure. Wes, he's no Harry Kane. We'll get to him later, though. Don't, don't forget it. He also does not have noodle hair. That's true. His uh, hair is flawless. Oh, Group C has not been flawless for some teams. Uh, just one match from this group onwards now from the time of our recording. Uh, France, another one of those clubs, kind of struggling a little bit. And, and, and a theme we'll kind of get to later one of those clubs that's always up for a little mental boom. Uh, but not yet, not yet. Um, Griezmann uh, does get the penalty for France somewhat controversially. I believe it was the first VAR-awarded penalty of the tournament. Um, but then just moments later, Australia picked up a penalty of their own, uh, which Malay Jednak put in to level at a 1-1 for Australia. Uh, but then another own goal, Aziz Behic, for uh, Australia put it into his own net to give France a... I don't even know if deserve 2-1 win is right. They do get the three points. They do sit atop the group. Um, but they are tied right now with Denmark, who absorbed a ton of Peruvian pressure, but did get the win. Yusuf Urari Poulsen with the goal. Christian Eriksen with the assist, as he did so many times for Tottenham. And as I mentioned for you, maybe a bit of a coming out party on the world stage for Christian Eriksen if Denmark can keep pushing along. Um, but Denmark gets the win. France gets the win. Um, and, you know, th- these are two teams we thought would kind of be top of the group. Maybe Peru could join them up there. And Denmark is going to have to play Australia in their next match. France gets Peru. Um, but, Wes, again, continuing the theme, France, they looked all right. You know, again, for a team as supremely talented as France is, they they didn't inspire me to think like, yep, yeah, that's the team that's gonna win. Just throw this out real quick at a two-run homer for the Tar Heels. Oh snap! As they have pushed their lead up to six to three, hit the foul pole. What a sh- um, fair pole. France was really disappointing. Uh, and they usually are, but uh, not this early. <laughs> Unless they want to be super disappointing. Yeah. Um, Pogba, I think they tried to give Pogba that goal, mm-hmm. um, but that wasn't, you know, it, it was an own goal. Pogba did a good job, I think, to get the ball there, but it was still an own goal. Um, France just looked really underwhelming. Um, you know, it was almost like Griezmann, now Griezmann, my God, you want to talk about some, you want to talk about somebody doing some shit. Griezmann channels his inner LeBron James. Yeah. 
decides like two days before the damn tournament that he's going to, you know, do this LeBron style decision. Yeah, El Decision. Yeah, Le Decision. Yeah, will he go to Barcelona or will he stay? But then, unlike LeBron, Ed, he stayed. So, but the thing is, LeBron didn't do it two days before the biggest tournament of his life either. Mm. Um, France just looked really distracted. Yeah. And it started with those superstars. Griezmann looked distracted. Pogba just... Jesus. Pogba's a massive ball of potential. Mm-hmm. That I don't think anyone since he was at Juventus has figured out how to get it out of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pogba's just one. He runs around and he will, you know, for three minutes, he'll look like, oh, my God, this guy's the second coming. And then for 30 minutes, he'll be like, oh, wait, where the hell's Pogba? That's kind of how he was in this match. And they held pretty well toward the back. Um, I think their defense is actually pretty darn good. Um, But France just, they just look disinterested to even be there. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a good sign to start the tournament. Now, luckily, they they looked like that and came out with three points. But, you know, if they play like that against Peru or they play like that against Denmark, I think there's a chance they get beat. And I just, I think if this team suffers a loss, we could see them go into their little shit mode. Yeah, and, and that's definitely possible. Again, Peru played really well against Denmark, but just couldn't finish in the final third. Um, as I just quickly look at the uh, the stats here, uh, in their match against Denmark, Peru put up 18 shots, six on target, and just could not find the back of the net. A, a standout job by Casper Schmeichel in goal for Denmark, uh, the Leicester City uh, keeper, coming up strong. But and you know. You know, there's another Premier League keeper in Hugo Lloris for France. But, yeah. you know, if if Peru gets that many chances, who's to say one of those don't trickle in? Who's to say one of those don't get redirected in? You know, crazy shit happens. So it's, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I completely agree with you. I don't know that France can play the way they did against Australia and beat Peru. I don't think they can. I don't think they can. I, I think... I think they were lucky that their first game was against the weakest team in their group. Certainly. And, you know, like I said, Peru or Denmark, I think if they come out like that, they've got a chance they're going to get it. Yeah. And once again, we've talked about the mentality of this French team before. Um, I think they, they're obviously not turning on Deschamps. Don't give me their Deschamps. But, mm-hmm. you know, Deschamps is one of those – he, you know, he's a, he's a conservative type manager. Mm-hmm. He's not one of those, hey, let's go for it, let's go out there and just play beautiful football. Mm-hmm. He, he's almost he's almost Josie-ish in a way, mm-hmm. where it's like Deschamps is one who can almost hold back his best players. And you know, I'm gonna tell you, he's taken a lot of grief from that first match from the media. He's taken a big hit. People say, you know, his tactics were shit. That he, you know, that combined with the fact that France didn't look like they even cared to be there, that they are extremely lucky to come out with three points in that first match. Once again, I just think if they lose, things could go sour quick. Yeah, absolutely. And again, two tough matches for France coming up against uh, Peru on June 21st and then Denmark on June 26th. Um, 
as we head. So when you're listening to this show, folks, you should. I believe you'll know what happened with Francis. Yes, you you'll know if they've gone mental boom yet or not. Um, you'll, you'll know that Mesut Ozil and choke each other out at halftime. Hopefully, um, and on to Group D, uh, which. You know, I would say there's a surprise atop the group, but considering I think in our previews we said any team could win this group, can't really be called a surprise then. Uh, Croatia does get a a, a weird but deserved 2-0 win over Nigeria. Uh, an own goal uh, coming from Ogenekro Etobo, as well as a Luka Modric penalty was enough for Croatia to get the three points. Argentina plays Ireland, I, sorry, Iceland. Uh, the Kuhn Aguero strikes in the 19th minute to make it 1-0. But just four minutes later, Iceland counters. And Alfredo Finnboxen uh, comes up with Iceland's biggest goal ever. Their, I believe their first World Cup goal. And uh, it gets them level with Argentina. And that's how the match ends. Messi uh, did have a penalty, I believe. Um, yes, he had a missed penalty yeah. in the match. That was um, 63rd minute, Yes, that, that could have given Argentina all three points, uh, but it was saved by the Iceland keeper. So Argentina just gets one point, and now they have to go play Croatia. And if they don't get all three points against them, all of a sudden the chances of Argentina going through starts to look slimmer and slimmer, especially if Iceland also beats Nigeria, because then... Croatia's at six, Iceland's at four, and Argentina's at one. There's almost there's very little chance at that point for them to get through. So this is actually a near must win already for Argentina. And even that said, though, this is still a group where anything can happen. Croatia deserved winners over Nigeria. Nigeria were lively. Mm-hmm. They just. Um, Nigeria might be a tournament ahead for them. I will I will say this too. Uh, I've been impressed, barring Saudi Arabia, I've been impressed with basically every African team at this tournament. Take that, oh, Ivory yeah, Coast. They've all, shown, they've all shown something. Yeah. They've only shown a pulse. <laughs> yes. Um, and Nigeria, you know, Nigeria's got, got kind of done over hard that they're, they're in that group. Yeah. Let's um, say they still come out. Who knows? But uh, I think they could be a tournament away from really, really being maybe the most dangerous African team we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll let's see how they grow. Uh, Croatia looked really good. Um, Malinkovic Savage, who could be on the move to England, could be on the move to Italy. Uh, he's been linked heavily with both Juventus and Manchester United. I'd much rather see him go to Juventus than Manchester <laughs> United. Of course. Uh, but uh, he was he was fantastic running the show the other day. I believe he had an assist, um, and you know Croatia were definitely deserving winners. And through this, I mean, they looked so far like the best team in that group. Not only because they won, they still like they play the best football. Yeah, Argentina. Jesus Christ, what does it say about Argentina? This team is like loaded with talent, and for whatever reason, every one of them just completely defers to Messi. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, Leo, you do it. You know, which I think the biggest difference everyone wants to compare Messi and Ronaldo. Obviously, I think Ronaldo, while I think the team around him is probably more limited than what uh, Messi has, that team understands. 
hey, you know, this is our goal score. We understand that part. Mm-hmm. But we've got to do all these other things to get him the ball and get him a chance. Um, Argentina, on the other hand, just kind of seems like, okay, well, we got the ball midfield. It's Lionel's turn to make something happen. <laughs> and, and, you know, oh, man. And, and then when he goes out and misses the penalty, which immediately ends, ends the entire um, – Debate. Obviously, Ronaldo's the greatest player ever now. Obviously, because because you know Messi missed a penalty in the World Cup, and Ronaldo would never do that. Um, but at that point, I think right now there is so much pressure on Messi and Argentina. Yeah. Because they, luckily, luckily for them, and obviously we'll get in as we go through the groups. Brazil did what they did. Germany did what they did. I think that's the only thing that doesn't have every ounce of pressure in this entire tournament on Messi now. Mm-hmm. But, oof, I mean, they've still got two really tough matches coming up. And if that team can't figure out some way to help Lionel Messi be the best Lionel Messi he can be, I know, you know, we picked them to win the group. They, there is a legit chance they do not come out of this and it would be a travesty on the, you know, on the uh, pages of Messi's biography, I think, if they can't even get out of the group. Yeah, because, again, this team is talented enough to do it, but they're yeah. they're just not I, – I, I think you're right. And, again, to bring up, you know, LeBron James, I, th- I think there is a little bit of that syndrome that we sometimes see with, with James where it's – it's hey, let's get the ball to him, and he'll do something, and and yeah. and hopefully that wins us the game. And it's like that doesn't usually work. You also have to play defense, and also have to be able to do stuff on your own. So, yeah. I I don't know. This this Argentina team is very disappointing. Like France, I think they played their easiest game first. Maybe yeah. like I I Croatia is obviously stronger than Iceland, and as you said, Nigeria. They're they're exciting and they do have some you know Premier League talent that we've seen like I believe uh, John Obi Mikel, uh, Victor Moses, guys like those are, are playing for this Nigeria squad. So um, that there is talent out there on the pitch for them, and I, I don't think any of these teams are afraid of Argentina at this point. Like, and and again, just continuing the theme of the the big names, you know that you know are, are coming into this tournament. And so far, through, again, just one match, have been very disappointing. Uh, and we continue that theme with Group E. You mentioned it, Wes. Brazil, not the result they wanted in their first matchup against arguably maybe the toughest opponent they would face in their group, Switzerland. Sorry, Serbia. I think it's true. Um, Counten Ho, Philip Coutinho with a 20-minute goal. And at that point, you're like, oh, Brazil's rolling. They're good. Oh, absolutely. Show oh, just amazing stuff. You know, Polino misses one. Ah, it's just Polino. It's fine. It's what whatever. And then Switzerland in the 50th minute gets one back from Steven Zuber. And all of a sudden it's like is Brazil actually okay? And then Neymar got gangbanged about 800 times during the match. Um so he's himself. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's like that sometimes. So, uh, so tough going on. Obviously, there's been a lot of news coming out. You know, how fit is he now? He came back from being injured um, to start the World Cup, and now it looks like he may not be 
quite at 100%. There's conflicting rumors on that. But that match did end. Brazil won, Switzerland won. So both teams get a point there. Meanwhile, Serbia through Alexander Kolarov, the former Manchester City man, gets Serbia the 1-0 win with his 56th-minute goal to beat Costa Rica. And quite frankly, it wasn't that close. Um, As we'll get to with Mexico, aside from them, CONCACAF looks like trash. Like and and Costa Rica, we, we talked about how Saudi Arabia is probably the worst team in this tournament. Costa Rica and Panama might be two, three under them. So they they looked really really bad. So Brazil has a chance to get back on the swing of things with their match against Costa Rica. Serbia then takes on Switzerland on June twenty second. But again, Wes, Brazil they they had the demons seven one coming back to them. This was their redemption tour. This was going to be great. And then one goal has kind of changed the entire mood set. It has. And, you know, there are arguments out there right now. Neymar is not 100%. No. Also, he hasn't played a match in like three or four months. (laughs) I think it was was the Champions League match against Real Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, if we're going to sit here and say, you know, well, Mo Salah wasn't 100%, you could see some rust on him. Mm. I mean, God, that was a month ago. Yeah. That was less than a month ago. Um, and you can, actually, you can see the rust on Neymar. And Neymar kind of got into one of those, once they got in the lead especially, Neymar got into one of his modes where he wanted to show off. Mm-hmm. He wanted to show he was so much better than everybody else. And when that happens, that really slows down what this Brazil team is capable of. Uh, the fact, I believe Neymar drew 10 fouls in that match, which yeah. is the most, I, I believe the second most all time <laughs> of a single player to get. Um, and, you know, Switzerland did exactly what they needed to do. They took Brazil out of the game that they wanted to play, and they got it dirty. They kept it from flowing. And the thing is, Neymar could have prevented a lot of this if he had just moved the ball. Yeah. But no, he's out there trying to do step overs and dribble past everybody. And there's a sentiment going around that with Neymar not 100%, Neymar not at his best right now, are Brazil better if Neymar doesn't play? Because this is a great damn Brazil team. Yeah. (laughs) Without Neymar, this is a fantastic Brazil team. I mean, you know, you can stick Willian, who Willian had a really good match. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can stick him and Douglas Costa out on the wings, play Coutinho uh, as the number 10, and Jesus and Firmino through the middle. I mean, that's a freaking potent attack. Yeah. And they'll score goals and they'll win matches. But I think Brazil are almost held to this thing where, well, Neymar's healthy. He's our best player. We've got to play him. I mean, if 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 you play him and lose, though. Or, I'm sorry, if you yeah, don't yeah. play him and lose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, you will be second-guessed forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But and you're right. You're right. Kind, of, kind of finds himself in a... It's kind of it's a catch-22 position because he might be sitting there just like we were thinking, man. My best team is actually with him not playing right now because he's not ready. Mm-hmm. But like you said, but if I don't play him and we lose, holy shit, they're going to fire me before I get on the bus. <laughs> yeah. 
So, I mean, it's, it's a brutal position to be in. I mean, we talented, but then you've got one guy who's just this ultra talent. Oh, man. I mean, Brazil have big questions. And then, of course, he lit off practice uh, on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he is not 100%. So, we'll see where they go with this, but, I mean, Brazil have big questions to answer, even though they may still be the favorite of this tournament. They still have some big questions to answer. And, hey, they, they at least, again, the, the group does sort of open up for them. Again, with Costa Rica, they should be able to win that, get four, get to four yeah. points. Yeah. And then it's all about Serbia. If they can beat Serbia as well, they'll be going through no problem, but... Again, they they a good showing against Costa Rica, and hey, maybe that's a match where you can think about not playing Neymar, because because that Brazil squad, other than that, if you take on Neymar, should be fine against Costa Rica, especially after what they showed against Serbia. Yeah, yeah. And excuse my idiocy from earlier. Uh, Malinka Savic plays for Serbia. Oh yeah. Talking about him playing for Croatia earlier. Yeah. Well, you know. Hey, let's go ahead and piss off our Baltic fans. Croatia, Serbia, they're all the same, right? Yeah, there you go. No, wait, we fought an entire war through the 90s. Oh, the Balkan <laughs> Islands have just been invaded. Um, Jesus, God. Uh, Malinkovic Savage played for Serbia was the great mm-hmm. facilitator of everything they did. I, I, I don't think you can count Serbia out of this at all at this point. No, absolutely not. I think Serbia-Switzerland is probably the most important game in this group. Yeah, because I mean, if 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 Serbia beats Switzerland and and Brazil beats Costa Rica, then that's that's pretty much the group. And then Brazil yeah. just has to beat Serbia to try and win the group, but they'll almost be assured of going through at that point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, then huge, huge matchup coming up there. Absolutely, um, big matchups coming up in Group F. Oh boy, um, Sweden and Mexico top the group with three points because. This is the 2018 World Cup. Uh, Sweden with the 1-0 win over South Korea thanks to a penalty from taken by Andreas Gronkvist. Sure. And then in... He's not Zlatan. No. God, no. Never forget, by the way, Zlatan was the first player on the field at the World Cup. There you go. He's a deal. That's all he has to take with him. Um, the, The result of the tournament... I think it's fair to say right now, Mexico won Germany oh, nil. Uh, Rodrigo Lozano with the goal in that one to win it. And, you know, afterwards, Wes, you know, we I mentioned a little bit mental boom with France. It's not something I think we would normally talk about with Germany. But the way some of their players talked about after the match, I believe it was uh, Mats Hummels who actually came out and was basically like, well, and I, I, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here because I don't remember the exact quote, but it, but basically like, well, if we have eight, eight, nine guys going forward and attacking, that doesn't leave much room in the back, does it? And some people I think saw that maybe as a little bit of a knock against Kimmich and uh, Josh Kimmich and uh, Jerome Boateng. That's that Boateng? Uh, well, no, it was basically Hummel's... It was uh, it was the other fullback. They were bombing both fullbacks forward, straight yeah. up and the Um But he and and so Hummels comes out with this, which I think is also maybe a bit of a swipe at at Joachim Lowe, which 
then we have to start thinking, has he maybe been there too long? Um, I, I want to say he's been there since after the 20, 2006 World Cup. That's uh, right, he took over for Clinton. So he's been there over 10 years now, which is near an eternity in soccer in soccer years. Especially uh, for an international manager. Yeah, so so it's not something we really thought about going in, but Wes, you know, with, with the result going this way, and hey, look, Germany could come out uh, in their next match. Let me see, they have... They have Sweden. They could beat Sweden. They could beat Sweden 3-0. Nothing against Sweden, but that could totally happen. But I don't think coming in Germany was supposed to have this kind of issue swirling about them. And them creeping up in match one is not a great sign for a title defense. Which, by the way, I think the last two or three title winners have not made it past the group stage. Didn't think yeah, Germany would continue at, it. You look at Spain. Mm-hmm. Spain in the last one. Um, Italy in, in 2010. And in France. Uh, in that was... Um, or no. Brazil. No, not Brazil. No, so it's been the last two, yeah. maybe. Maybe it was the last two, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Herving Lozano. Known as Chucky. <laughs> Chucky Lozano. And Germany. PSV. Um... Is now being connected with Barcelona. Of course, of course. Um, no, Herman Lozano was already a big name around the uh, the transfer market. Anyway, uh, I mean, he's 22 years old. He's kind of been dubbed as the next great Mexican superstar, and this guy is on his way. This was just this was the breakout. Hello, world. I'm Chucky moment. <laughs> um. And Ed, I'm going to borrow one of my favorite liberalisms. Okay. Should have probably been three or four. Oh, God. Mexico Mexico played about as perfect a match as they could have drawn up in this match. Mm -hmm. Um, As Mats Hummels was speaking of, here was Germany bombing forward with nine players leaving Hummels and Boateng, who, by the way, are a very good center-back pairing. Oh, yeah. Neither of those guys are known at this point of their career for their speed. Mm -hmm. They are, they're very good center-backs. Obviously, you know, they're the backbone of Bayern Munich. Those two are not known for their speed. And when you've got, I mean, God, if you look at it, Mexico were playing deep to counter. They had three guys up around midfield. They had Lozano, they had uh, Chicharito, and they would have another winger up there, and all they were looking to do was get that first pass and break. Mm-hmm. You know, Germany dominated the possession at the time of this match, but Germany never really looked like they were going to do anything. Mexico looked like Mexico probably should have had two or three goals in this match. I mean, they really point they could have and probably should have run Germany out of the building that night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Neuer came up with a couple of good saves, especially late on. Uh, now, not to take anything away from Ochoa, the Mexican keeper, who apparently is only great at the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. You know, you remember the last one, he made a great name for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he did make some really nice saves to deny the Germans. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about Germany going through. I am now worried, though, about the distance that Germany can run in this World Cup. Mm-hmm. 
and I say that, and what really makes me nervous is the fact that Vogels came out after match one and was questioning the tactics. Yeah, that's huge. And and even more than the result, the fact that, oh my God, a German player, basically one of, I don't believe Hummels is the captain, but he could basically be considered one of the captains of this German team, came out and publicly was like, well, I don't know why the hell we're playing like this. <laughs> that worries me more than anything. Yeah. Now I want to see, too, how your team low will respond to this because what Matt Hummel said was absolutely true. Yeah. And while Sweden may not have the playmaker that Mexico did, you've almost got to assume they're going to do something the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to they're going to play to defend and try to hit them on the break now because they've seen, well, shit, they're susceptible on the break. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to try to do. So... Absolutely, and you know this is this you you say about Sweden. This is a Sweden team that did beat France in qualifications, so they can yeah. beat these quality teams. And like you said, if Germany doesn't fix what happened against Mexico, Sweden is, as you said, gonna look at that tape and they're gonna try to take advantage of it. They may not have the exact personnel to do it, right. but they're gonna try. And right. I mean, even if they just get a point. If they play to a nil-nil draw, that's at this point good enough for Sweden. So oh, yeah, I mean uh, that puts them at four. Let's assume Mexico beat um, South Korea. South Korea. Let's assume Mexico beat South Korea, and Sweden can get a point. Oh Jesus! Now Germany's looking at you know needing something to go their way. Yeah. Plus, having, I mean, having to beat South Korea shouldn't be the end of the world for them. But if they go into the third match with one point, all the pressure in the world will be on Germany at that point. Big, big pressure going forward for a lot of teams. Um, The teams in Group G, though, that we thought were going to go through have a little bit of the pressure reduced. Thanks a little bit to some late heroics in each game. Uh, Belgium uh, beats Panama 3-0. Panama looked really bad. Andreas uh, Mertens with a silky smooth goal in the 47th minute. And then Romele, Dexter, Lukaku with two goals in the 69th and 75th minutes. Uh, Belgium gets all three points. Uh, although it did come out that apparently Ed Nezard had to question, we'll say, uh, Lukaku and, and how well he was doing at the halftime of that match when it was still nil-nil. So things are looking... It's not good. It was a true shit match in the first half. Um, But Belgium do get through. Uh, England, they left it late, but they did. You put some respect on that name. England. 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 2 1 winners over Tunisia, as we like to say in England, apparently. Uh, Harry Kane. Uh, put back in a rebound because, you know, he's a tap-in artist. That's what he does. Uh, in the 11th minute, uh, just put one in. Uh, England had been threatening so hard, if you can call what Raheem Sterling does threatening. Um, but they, they were just peppering the goal. I think Henderson had a chance. Uh, 
Jesse Lingard had a chance to almost that that just had needed a great save to be put out, and England just looked like they were flying. Um, and then Kyle Walker happened. Um, Kyle Walker uh, just ran his arm into a Tunisia player in the box, uh, which gave them a penalty uh, for Jan Sassi, came up and took it, and it was 1-1 going to the half, and it was we suck again for England. Um, but, but in the 91st minute off a Kieran Trippier corner, are, yes, yes, it was uh, it was headed towards the back post, and who's there but that man, Harry Kane, to watch him whip. It, it almost gave me pain watching the replay of that. He puts it in with his head and just buries Tunisia. England gets the 2-1 win, and for a guy who, again, was, I don't want to say disappointing because the whole team was disappointing, but a lot was put on his shoulders and the 2016 Euros. He was very tired coming in, and he looked at it at that point. Now coming in with England yeah, for this... Yeah, for a shit Yeah, that, you know... God, he's got to take corners! Um, now he's not taking corners. He's just putting them in the net. Wes, I know you like to say Englanders shit, but man, at least they look young and fun now. Oh, excuse me. I'm totally on. This is what you wanted, Ed. I'm on. This is it. I'm on board. The hopeless optimism. I love it. We're winning the we're winning the World Cup, baby. Yes. It's happening. We're winning the World Cup. Yes. And now we're not getting out of group, but anyway. <laughs> Man, if I said it about Mexico that they were Liverpool and shoulda, coulda, woulda, uh, England should have been up four or five nil. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Um, we had a quick text back and forth. Now, folks, just to give you some emphasis on this match, I had to go to my my division director and basically beg him to let me watch this match during the day <laughs> at work uh, because we're supposed to have it on a news channel at all times. I said, well, sir, in all actuality, this is the biggest story in the world. Yes. Because this is the World Cup, the most watched sporting event on earth. And he laughed and said, as long as you don't, you know, slip up your work, you can you can have it on, it's fine. So this is the only match I've been able to watch really this whole week due to work. Um, I just about lost my shit about 15 minutes into it because, once again, we should have already had three goals yes. on the board. Yes. The, the early one that um, was sent across to Raheem Sterling where Raheem Sterling was like, oh, wait, I'm just not going to get my feet in any sort of a position to kick this ball. I'm just going to look like I play in a freaking Sunday league in Rocky Mount with the Mexican guys out by the airport. Jesus Christ, it was just, it was horrendous. Um, You and I had a back and forth quick chat about how terrible Raheem Sterling was and how, you know, he needed to be dropped off a plane over Russia somewhere. (laughs) Looking back on it, other than the fact that he can't finish anything, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think the guy can finish a sandwich at this point. Raheem Sterling was actually really good in this match. He he was fine. He just his his fuck ups were really noticeable. Exactly, and that's the thing with him is you know people half the people want to kill that in the match. Half of them, damn, if you watch him, was really good. And I went back and watched a lot of it. His movement is good. He is such a threat because he's so damn fast. 
he had Tunisia all over the place. They didn't know whether to shit or wind their watch. And a lot of that was because of the movement from Raheem Sterling. The problem is he can't finish. (laughs) I I think he has a kid. I don't know how, because how can he finish in the goal? (laughs) Um, Jesse Lingard looked like looked like it was the biggest game he'd ever played in, and he knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was poor, even though, once again, his movement was pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lingard and Sterling just suffer from this thing where it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can shoot. Oh, God, where's the ball going? Uh, but like you said, I mean, Harry Kane was right there. Harry Kane put in a captain-level performance. Yep. Um Underlooked is I think that both those goals were well. Obviously, they both came from corners, and both I think were set up off the head of Harry Maguire. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so the second was, one definitely yes. Yeah, the second one definitely. I want to say the first one was too. I might be wrong on that. I thought Maguire came up and had a. Uh, oh no 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 no! It was John Stones on the first. One. Yeah. Stones had the Stones had the really the bullet header that was very well blocked. And then right into the path of um, Harry Kane. And then McGuire with the second one. The England back line, I'm telling you, I'm still fucking petrified of that England back line. Yeah. Um, if Tunisia were able to, you know, score goals in regular play, they probably might have had a few because, you know, McGuire and Stones and Walker were just giving the ball away like they didn't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, England wants to play from the back. <sighs> They've got these guys that are supposed to be good playing out of the back, and unfortunately they're just not. <laughs> um, and that's going to be really scary when they play a Belgium or obviously when they play some of the better teams here. Um, but for England, the, the best part of it was that this was an England team that, A, looked like they wanted to be here. Yeah. And that is somehow that's the shocking part about some of these England teams is you guys is like, why the hell are you here? You don't look like you want to play in the world's biggest tournament. And they did. It did not look like even at one one that the weight of the England shirt got to them, and that was huge. Even with such a young team, and maybe it's because you know, as Michael Davis is calling them, the babies. Maybe the babies just don't understand that they're supposed to <laughs> get up tight, and nervous when they blow all these. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just don't understand that part yet. Um, but then also, Gareth Southgate, who I, I was kind of very impartial to that hiring. I was like, well, I don't know who else you would hire, I guess, at this point. I'm not really impressed with it. Gareth Southgate is giving this team basically the keys to the car mm-hmm. and saying, go for it. Yeah, I think this England team understands the past that in the past they've been so hyped up and everyone has been so on top of them, like, well, why, why aren't you winning? And for the first time in forever, this England team is kind of, they didn't go here with expectations. Yeah, they expect to get out of the group, but, you know, no one expects England to go win this tournament, other than me, of course, now. <laughs> um, yeah, no one expects England to beat any of the big boys. So I think this team, is, it's kind of like Southgate's been given this blank check, like, you know, don't embarrass us. But we're not expecting that much from you. So Gareth Southgate is able to pick the team he wants, play the players he wants. He 
he's not being told you have to put Gerard and Lampard in midfield. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to get skulls in there somewhere. You've got to play Rooney. I think a lot of that weight has been taken off of his shoulders, and he's able to go out and manage this team to go play hard, fast, aggressive football. And it's kind of like they've got this safety net where, well, no one really is expecting that much from us anyway. So let's just go out and have fun and play. And I saw that in England the other day. It was so refreshing. It was so refreshing to see. Well, it's, one of the be- it's one of the better England World Cup performances that I've seen in a long time. Well, and, you know, to the, to the way they play, I, I made the joke, you know, a slight joke, I guess, because there, there was, I think, a ring of truth to it. When I texted you in our conversation, you know, I think that the Spurs players have been the best three players on the pitch today uh, in Deli Ali, Kane, and, and Kieran Trippier. Um, and I think them and and guys like Jordan Henderson, guys who, who play for Liverpool and the guys who play for City, right. I, they, they understand how to play this high-attacking, high-pressure sort of style that maybe England hasn't really done in the past. And right. I think that when you have guys who know that system, young guys who know that system, and, and that's what they've been playing them in the entire for their entire club season, then it's all right, well, let's just go out and keep high pressuring people and right. and, and force stuff. Play, play fast. Yeah. Play fast and see what happens. Yeah, and that's and that's again that first forty five, they kind of trailed off a little bit in the second the second half. Yeah. But but that first forty five, that was, you know, yes, they they need to be able to finish some of those chances, but they they could have buried Tunisia. They could have they could that could have easily been six seven one at the half. Right. Um, so I was I'm very impressed with England. I don't know what their ceiling is. I don't know if they're going to come back down because again, it did take a ninety first minute goal to beat Tunisia. But yeah. I, I don't know if if there's a dark horse, it's you know in, in the group where four years ago Belgium was the dark yeah. horse, all of a sudden England is kind of the dark horse of this tournament now. I think. Well, and, and let me throw this in here. <clears throat> you know, yeah, England could have won this match five nil, six nil. Do we almost feel? And you know, we we said this about Liverpool when they kind of went through that run in January mm-hmm. where. Yeah, you knew Liverpool could blow teams out. We knew that would happen. We knew that could happen. But it was always, Jesus, don't put them in a dogfight because they'll shit the bed late. Yeah. And suddenly Liverpool won two or three matches where they were scoring late to win. Mm -hmm. And suddenly that gave that team belief going forward. If England had won 5-6-0, everyone, every English tabloid would be kissing their ass and suddenly calling them the favorite of the tournament. Because well, well, now we see what you can do. So now you can never play. You can. Ne- we will not allow you to play less than this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the fact that England left it late. Shut up, dog! <laughs> they left it late. They scored that late goal. I think that gives that gives them and the people and the English fans it gives them belief that we're never dead. Yeah, and and, and sometimes winning two one and getting it late is better than just blowing somebody out where everything goes normal. Because two, I think it shows to the England players, hey, we know if we just stay sharp for ninety minutes, 
we've got a chance to find something. You know, not where, hey, we're up 4-0 at halftime, so we can just cruise to the second half. I think especially in a tournament like this, where it's not a long tournament, I mean, you're going to play at most, what, seven matches? Mm-hmm. You've got to have that razor's edge. You've got to walk that razor's edge. And I think for England, the fact that they are on that edge now, that they got that win, I think this could actually focus them more than a big blowout win would have. I, I agree 100%. I think this team, even though it was just Tunisia, I think they've now been battle-tested. And and yeah. and there is a, there is now a never say die attitude in this team, and I I think oh my god it's blowing good at sixty six again baby Woo! oh the heartbreak will be strong let's oh, move god, to Group H um, no more talk of that um, happier things Japan and Senegal lead this group Wes what ah. I you're excited that's, I mean that's like anime oh my god uh, Japan beat Colombia two one. Uh, good old, good old Shinji Kagawa making an appearance in this tournament. He had the opening goal for Japan, and then Yuya Osako uh, had the winner in the 73rd minute. And then Senegal beat Poland in maybe somewhat ish controversially fashion um, with 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 the second goal from Mbabi Mbai Hamadi Niang. Um, kind of, he was kind of on the sidelines, and it looked like he was going to go out of play. But then the referees never brought him out. So he just kind of was on the silence. And he's like, okay, well, I guess I'm still on the pitch. I'll go chase after this ball. And then Poland's defense kind of fell apart. And Senegal was up 2-0. Uh, Poland did get a, a goal back through uh, Gregoris Krzyczowiak. Um But yeah, Wes, all of a sudden, Poland and Colombia, two very strong teams, now sit both at zero points looking up at Japan and Senegal. I think Poland's in a better place. Yeah. Uh, even though they have already kind of played what should have maybe been the quote easiest team in mm-hmm. their group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Colombia can bounce back. Poland looked old and slow and bereft of creativity. Yeah. I do not like Poland's chances going forward. <laughs> um, especially because they're going to get a pissed off Colombia team. Yeah. <sighs> Well, they're going to have to pick it up because uh, they do have Colombia next on June 24th. And if they don't get a result there, they're all but out of the tournament at that point. So they they absolutely have to get a win or at least a point. They just had a bases loaded, base clear, and double. It's 6 to 6 in the 8th. Of course. I told you, people. I told you all. You didn't. And it's raining. Who knows what's about to happen? Oh, God. Um, so that's that's your look at round one of the matches uh, at the World Cup, plus a couple of the round two matches. Um, n- when next we talk, um, which is next week, today is the... Uh-huh. I don't have a calendar. So on the 26th, we will next... 27th. Uh, when we next talk, we will know everything but Group G and Group H, which means when next we talk... Well, we might know if England is through already or not. Yeah, there, there is a, 
there's a lot at stake over the next seven days. Um, I believe the, well, actually, you know us, Thursdays. Yeah. Thursday of next week is actually, I believe, the last day of play. Yes, yes it is. Um, and so we will not get a chance to talk England-Belgium. Nope. We'll give you a little preview, I guess. Sure. But um, that'll be the last day of those, and then uh, we'll go into knockout stages. And, jeez um, Louise, are we going to do a 4th of July show? Uh, maybe. We're, maybe we'll do a July 3rd show. Yeah, maybe we'll do July 3rd. I'll be home that night and get up the next one. Well, and here'll be the good, here'll be the good thing. If we do a July 3rd show, the, uh, July 3rd is the last two days of the round of 16. So Perfect. all of the round of sixteen Perfect. matches will have been played by the time we pod that. All night. right, so 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 real quick, we're playing a July third show. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great. Excellent. All right. Um, so that's again going to do it for the World Cup uh, matches every day, all day. Um, if, well, if you're in Russia time, I guess. <laughs> Otherwise, it's all in the morning, um, and maybe an afternoon match. But that is we're, so, getting, we're getting eight, eleven, and two, and that's that's really great if you're. God, I cannot wait for Friday. Not too bad. Not too uh, bad. Where I'll finally be off and can watch England. Yeah. All weekend. Yeah. And watch England on Sunday. So. There you go. Um, news and notes. Not really much to talk about. Um, Arsenal brought in a new goalkeeper. In a, and Lindel. Yes, from Bear Leverkusen for 22.5 million pounds. So that's a thing. Uh, James Madison... Not the not the college. Uh, he's not he's the former United States president. Yeah, uh, he's going over to Leicester City from Norwich for twenty two and a half million. Um, I think he's a guy to keep your eye on. Um, he was linked with some of the bigger clubs: mm-hmm. uh, Liverpool, Tottenham, um, Arsenal, those kind of teams. I think I think he's smart going to Leicester because he's probably going to walk right into that team. Mm-hmm. That could be a guy in a couple of years. I mean, he's probably a future England international. Uh, he's going to be a guy, if he develops like people think he should, in two, three seasons, those same big teams are probably going to be back in for him for a lot of money. There you go. That will be. And, you know, we know Lester likes to play the kids. So yeah. he'll, he'll be getting his chance. <laughs> yeah. Especially if, if Marez still goes to Manchester City. There you go. Um, so that's news and notes. It was quick. Let's hit the watch for Wes. What are you watching besides the World Cup in the week that was or the week that will be? Shit, <laughs> I've watched work all week. Yeah. I've worked a lot lately. Um, Archer has had the season finale. Oh god. Oh Jesus. I th- I th- uh, unless you have something else, I think we can just talk about Archer first. Sure. Why not? That's that's fun. That was gonna be mine. Oh so. my god. We'll just do a dual watch for. Um, it was a it was a very fun last episode. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I love David Cross on that show. A lot of cocaine. <laughs> David Cross is like, yes, I mean he's Tobias Fuentes, he's Todd Margaret. We love these characters, but man, is he not the most perfect like voice actor of all time? He's really good, especially on Archer. Maybe him and Ace John Benjamin <laughs> together—that's like mind blowing when it comes to voice work. <laughs> Um, so David Cross and Ace John Benjamin, they were fantastic in that final episode together. Um, Chris Parnell and Cyril took it to another level. I, I love coked up Cyril. It was really good. But he was he was taking his mix of uh, coke and methamphetamine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then Mallory just looking for a bar everywhere. Is there a bar? Why would there be a bar here? This looks like a bar. (laughs) It looks like a bar. Um, And then, I guess, well, here's your spoiler alert. So, three, two, one. Um, Pam is knocked into the lava pit. Mm -hmm. And... um, as Cyril is going to finish her off, Archer knocks him out of midair in his robot suit. <laughs> because, of course. Uh, and the next thing we see is Archer, Pam, and uh, Cyril, like, all hanging by a, a hand. It looks like Archer has outsmarted Cyril, <laughs> but Cyril then grabs Archer's leg on the way down. So Archer does the most un-Archer thing of all, which is sacrifice his own life. Yeah. To save Pam. So, I mean, we're already going, what the hell, as Art going into the lava pit? <laughs> of course, he has to tell Lana how they almost nailed Yeah. <laughs> how he almost banged her. And then his last words were so close. It we is so close. close. And then he hits the lava, and you're like, oh, my God, what the hell? And then I'll let you take us into what I'm guessing this next season is. I, I hope so at this point. Um, so so obviously, as soon as Archer hits, cut to black. And then we start seeing little little white dots appear on the screen. You're like, okay, maybe this will be like the, the sky or something on the island. They're looking at night, whatever. And then you start to see what looks like a spaceship going across the sky. And then just very slow pans throughout the entirety of this very futuristic spaceship. Uh, There is one shot where it looks like you can see a reflection of someone walking around. Not sure who it was, but there's... Because the reflection is not very good, but you do see movement of someone. Um, and then we start panning over these life pods as they, oh, I'm sorry. It, we, we see the name of the ship, which I believe is the something, something Seamus, um, which of course was the name of Archer's kid from way back when, um, life pods start getting booted up on screen. And then we see the cut to the life pods with our main cast name on the sides of each one. And then the last one is Archer's and he wakes up and talks to mom ball of energy and it's 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 so weird as i told you never been this shook since infinity war um i i'm i was a bit speechless i didn't i didn't expect it to ever hit that point and so now i don't know is what i'm most i think my biggest question is are we going to get something that is going to tie the entirety of the show together and why we the last two seasons have been noir and this jungle island pre-World War II and now space, apparently? Or is this just, eh, now we want to do space? I don't know. I mean, there's so many questions. And there, God, there's so Like what? The Archer, you know, I... I may wonder what's going on sometimes, but I don't doubt the Archer writing team. Yeah. Because they're so tight and so on point with what they want to do. Like, And I mean, they, we've already been told this is the final season coming up. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're looking, 
looking to go out on a high note and not with not with declining ratings, but with people going, holy shit, what's happening? Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, we're getting a complete change of everything. And, and it's kind of like you said, you know, what what is this? I mean... Was, it, is, was the island a simulation and when he died, he just woke up? Exactly. Or, or is this all part of, you know, a coma that he's in in his in the modern time on the show yeah or is this all going to come out that everything they've done has been like a simulation and now the space is the actual reality i mean there's so many things you can question here yeah and it's archer it's so good i hope i really hope we get more than eight episodes next season i hope we at least get 10 but i have no idea where they're gonna go man I, and, I don't know either. I mean, what we saw from this, the last 90 seconds of this show could finally tell us everything. Yeah, every answer. Yes, every we'll get every answer in 90 seconds, and then we'll be left with Archer, like, cutting a joke or farting or something. <laughs> or Pam farting, and that's going to end the show. Also, uh, also the, end credit, the end credits taking on the space style was... Yes, oh, yes. I'm legit shook. So, crazy man. I I enjoyed I it. I thought it was great. I I never I never expected Archer to end a season of Archer to end on that kind of a cliffhanger. I knew they would do cliffhangers. I didn't know they would do that kind of a cliffhanger though. So, props to him. I'm excited for the final season. I I can't wait to see how this is all connected and what the hell's going on. Um, speaking of what the hell's going on, Wes cap off the show and get so raw. Of course, it was pay-per-view weekend. Do not hate me. I have yet to see NXT TakeOver. Um, due to work. Everything, everything that killed me this weekend was due to work. <laughs> I, I switched today and had to work Saturday night and haven't really caught up on shit since. So, yeah, I can't tell you what happened on NXT. But I will tell you, Money in the Bank was... Wow, that was a damn good pay-per-view. WWE are getting to the point where they will kill you for six weeks with shit raw. And then everything will, like, pan out at the pay-per-view. <laughs> I can't decide if this is good or bad. I mean, I'm very happy to be having good pay-per-views. I'm very unhappy to have to sit through six weeks of shit, though. To get to <laughs> oh, me. Um, uh, big matches on the night. AJ Styles retained the uh, WWE title in a last man standing match against Nakamura. God, it was good. It was. It, it was finally to me. It was finally Styles and Nakamura living up to what they could be. Good. Um, now I, I did not see SmackDown last night, so I can't tell you if that ended the feud going or what. I'm sorry about that. Uh, hopefully next week I'll have you more answers. But. Um, uh, so other than that, um, Asuka challenged uh, Carmella for the Raw Women's, or excuse me, the SmackDown Women's title. And while everything in the book pointed that Asuka should win this going away, I had a feeling you were going to get a schmopped in. And that's what we got with the return of James Ellsworth. Oh, boy. The no-chin human himself. Um, comes to Strats Asuka and Carmella gets a, gets the victory. Oh my god, this is a huge pitch in this game. Top of the eighth, bases loaded, three one count, two outs. Carolina Oregon State tied at six. 
Um, Ellsworth comes back. Carmella retains. Um, real quick, before we do the Raw women's title match, first we have to talk about the first, or I'm sorry, the second ever women's money in the bank match, um, which was, God, it was really good. It was a really good match. Um, really, I thought, surpassed last year's match. Uh, you had Sasha Banks, you had Charlotte, you had um, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Naomi. Um, crap, one more. <laughs> I can't remember. And Alexa Bliss. Um, Alexa Bliss ends up winning it. Which, if you saw my Twitter, Carolina just walked in the go-ahead run. Oh, wow. of course they did. They suddenly cannot throw strikes. Um, Bliss wins it. If you saw my Twitter, I was thrilled because I was really looking forward to months of Alexa Bliss carrying around the Money in the Bank contract. Money in the Bank is perfect on a bad guy. You know, giving money in the bank to someone like John Cena or a good guy, to me, that's a waste of money in the bank. Because the great part about Money in the Bank is cutting the promos and being a sneaky asshole <laughs> and coming when, you know, I mean, is the hero going to ride in on a horse? His opponent is completely already beaten down and take advantage of him? No, no a hero wants a fair fight. I'm John Cena and I just want a fair fight, by God. Um, so Alexa Bliss went in and I was so excited because she's, she's the best, man. She is such a, she's such a shithead heel. Um, and she's beyond gorgeous, beyond belief. But uh, but also she just has that attitude that she'd be perfect with it. So real quick, then now let's jump to the women's Raw Championship match: Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. Really, really hype match. It was Ronda Rousey's first ever singles match. So we're going to get a chance to see. You know, can Ron, is Ronda Rousey just a name from UFC, or can she carry herself? The verdict is in Ronda Rousey was fantastic. Ooh. She is really, really good in the ring. Now, where Ronda Rousey, um, you know, has her issues is, you know, she's not great on the microphone. Uh, she She's not a great communicator. She does have some issues still to work out. But, man, when it is go time in the ring, Ronda Rousey is magnificent. Um and she proved on the night she worked from underneath. Nia Jax got some really good offense in. Uh, and she actually had two moments where she picked up uh, Nia Jax. And Nia Jax runs about 270 pounds. I mean, she is a monster. Ronda Rousey was a bantamweight. I mean, this is a girl who fought at, like, you know, around 120. So she picked up someone twice her own body weight and, and dropped her with suplexes twice. Super, super impressive. Um, and just as it looked like Ronda Rousey had gotten her, her world-famous armbar on Nia Jax, oh, my God, out of nowhere, Alexa Bliss showed up with the briefcase, uh, incapacitated uh, Ronda Rousey, beat the hell out of her with the briefcase, beat the hell out of Nia Jax with the briefcase, and Alexa Bliss cashed in, cashed in money at the bank, um, Immediately took out Nia Jax's knee, went to the top rope, twisted Bliss, one, two, three, and for the fifth time, Alexa Bliss is the women's champion. And it was a magnificent cash-in because, once again, that is, she's the perfect person to do that. 
You know, you wait till the champion is almost dead on their feet, and then you run in. She, you know, she immediately calls the disqualification um, for Rousey, but who gives a crap? All she wanted to do was get that title shot. She got it. She walked out with the belt, and now we have Alexa Bliss back with the title on Raw. She's a great champion because, once again, she's so good verbally, and she's, she's a really good heel champion having that belt. Uh, we had a showdown. Probably the best segment of Raw Monday night was the opener between her and Ronda Rousey, Ooh. where Rousey beat the shit out of her. But she sat there and said, you know, why do you think you, I don't know, you had one match, you lost. You know, get at the back of the line, sweetheart. So there's something there, and Alexa Bliss is money. She is money for that division. And I think she's a great champion. I was super hyped for the uh, cash-in. Uh, now to end the night, the men's money in the bank ladder match. I'm just hitting the big matches of the night. Don't care about the range match. Um, it turned out to be a really good money in the bank match. It was brutal. It was hurtful. Guys were flying all over the place. I thought Kevin Owens was dead a couple of times, <laughs> which are always fun to see. Uh, you had in that match, you had Kevin Owens, you had Finn Balor, you had Bobby Roode. Um, uh, Kofi Kingston represented New Day in the match. Uh, crap, who am I forgetting? Oh, God, uh, the Miz was in the match. I thought Miz was going to be the favorite to win it. Uh, Miz was in the match. Samoa Joe was in the match. And as usual, I'm forgetting one person and Braun Strowman. There you go. <laughs> Who's the greatest human being on earth? We've, dis- we've discussed this for months now. He's my favorite person on earth. And Braun Strowman got up the ladder, and got the money in the bank. So now the most terrifying, destructive force in wrestling has money in the bank and has already said he's coming after Brock Lesnar. Uh, Now, how they do this, because see, here you've got the opposite of what you do with the women. If you did the same thing you did with the women that I like, the Miz would have money in the bank. Mm -hmm. You know, the snotty heel who is always looking for that little opportunity. But instead, now you've given it to the baddest dude on the roster. You've given him money in the bank. He has had a match with Brock Lesnar, which he was successful at, but was very, very good in. How do you do this is the question. I don't think that you need Braun Strowman cashing in on a random Raw on Monday night in November just winning the bell off Brock Lesnar. Does he use it to challenge Brock Lesnar to a match where he wins it? Or, you know, ideally, you put the title on him next year at WrestleMania. Do you wait that long and let him carry? There's so many questions here on what to do with Braun Strowman. Here's the thing with Braun Strowman. He's going to be at the top of the mountain. It's just a matter of when, not if. So now you've got some extra options with him carrying the briefcase. But all in all, very good match. Um, we're starting to set up some new things on uh, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Um, one big piece of news this week, Big Cass, who fought Daniel Bryan at Money in the Bank on Sunday night, was outright released on Monday. Released from his contract. And this is a guy who, you know, now over the last... Uh, you know, a year ago this time, Enzo and Cass were one of the hottest tag teams in wrestling. Mm-hmm. 
and a year later they've both been released. So a lot of things coming back that um, Cass recently on, a, on an international tour uh, basically stayed drunk through the entire tour, was belligerent. Um, they've had some, you know, he's kind of gone off script some lately trying to do some things. They've warned him about it. He's done it anyway. So Cass is gone. Now that said, I can see Big Cass being a guy who in two or three years returns to WWE if he goes and really makes himself better, markets himself well, does a lot of things. Somebody like a Drew McIntyre, like Jinder Mahal's son. I can see him being back because, once again, Vince McMahon loves big guys. And the dude's like nearly seven feet tall. There's a chance he'll be back, but he's got work to put in. So that was kind of a little stunning news on Monday. I don't think anybody in the world expected no. that. But um, anyway, I'm going to wrap it up with that. That is tweets so raw. That will be this Man, week's. That was a heck of a. That was a heck of a pod. Yeah, it was big, big talks, big big talks. Not just about the World Cup, but about Archer as well, and as well as the latest going ons and the the money in the bank cash ins. Gotta gotta cash in those resets, boys. Um, but that's gonna do it for episode two sixteen of the Foreign Affair podcast. We'll be back next week um, to tell you about just about everything that has happened in the group stage of the World Cup, except for like two groups final matches but that's okay um so there's plenty of time plenty of matches to go out and watch uh, and a lot of twists and turns still left to come one more time we are sponsored by ngsc sports at ngscsports.com we never stop you can find them on twitter you can also find us on twitter at afa pod is our collective wes you are i'm at wes bradshaw 21 i am at edward green you can also find us on youtube youtube.com slash the all new sports show all our podcasts are uploaded there as you can email us questions and comments to all new sports show at gmail.com big thanks to our podcast providers including podbean.com stitcher spreaker iHeartRadio, the TuneIn radio app the google play music store and itunes music so like i said we'll be back next week for another big podcast of world cup coverage but until then west do you have anything else you want to add uh we are at the bottom of the eighth mm. north carolina got their Bunted into second at 7-6 Oregon State. Folks, you got to love the College World Series, even though the weather is playing havoc on it this week. It's crazy. God, it's, it's still fun. We, we do love our college basketball. We really do. Just And this, with the World Cup going on at the same time, is a pretty magical set of events. And no NFL and no NBA going Hell yeah. And so no hockey. Oh, yeah, hockey's okay. So for my colleague in crime, Wes Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Afford Fair podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Until then, stay safe and enjoy the football. Love the football, folks. And good night, England. We deserve sleep because we're going to win the cup. There you go. No sleep. Till next You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. 
NGSC Sports. We never stop. 